Welcome to AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. My wife and I have three young kids, and for the past six months, we have been juggling work and childcare and teaching mommy and daddy preschool, all while trying really hard not to lose our minds. Parenting is tough enough as it is even in non-pandemic conditions, but one source of consolation for me in the middle of this craziness is friends who are in similar situations, all of us trying to navigate these stormy waters as best we can. I have two of those friends with me on the show today, my fellow AMDG host Eric Clayton and America Magazine executive editor Carrie Weber. Carrie is one of my favorite writers, and her book Mercy in the City is a modern spiritual classic. She also has three little kids, and she's so thoughtful and so committed to her faith, I was thrilled she agreed to take some time off parental leave to chat with Eric and me. This is part podcast and part group therapy session, and I hope any fellow parents of young kids out there get as much out of this conversation as I did. If you don't have little ones, enter this episode at your own risk. You can subscribe to AMDG wherever you get podcasts, and thanks for joining us. Well, Carrie Weber, welcome to AMDG. Thanks so much for taking some time to chat today. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. I am well. Better for being in your company. Oh, wow. That, <laughs> flatter the host right away. That's great. We also don't, have don't, on... Don't lie out of the gate. <laughs> you just heard Eric Clayton, uh, my other host of AMDG. We've never hosted before together, but we're doing it now. Eric, thanks for coming on. Thanks for all you do. Thank, thank you, Mike. It's good to be with you. So we're, we're going to talk about uh, parenting today. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot as parents of young kids. The three of us are all uh, young kids. So we wanted to kind of dig into like what parenting in a pandemic has been like, especially as folks interested in faith and spirituality and community and trying to navigate this craziness. Uh, so why don't maybe, Carrie, if you want to just maybe start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do and uh, yeah, what your days are like these days. Sure. My name is Carrie Weber. I'm an executive editor at America Magazine. Uh, it is a Jesuit publication based in New York City, uh, but not currently uh, based in our actual offices there very much. Everyone's kind of in their own spot working remotely since March for the most part. Um, and I work a lot on the features there. Um, and I've been there just over 10 years now. Wow. And you are currently on parental I'm currently on parental leave uh i have a six-week-old uh who was born july 4th and i have a four-year-old and a two-year-old at home as well okay so you have some credentials bringing into this conversation <laughs> um eric why don't you uh lay out your situation for us also with a very we won oh we won indeed yeah that's that's the the technical term we've been using here in my home um i have a uh a, a 10 week old. She was born in June, early June, and then a two and a half year old um, as well. And as, as you know, Mike, I work for you here at the Jesuit conference uh, on such, yeah. <laughs> on such, on such, uh, on such uh, projects as this podcast. Yeah. And so, and I, just to get all the chips on the table, I have a five-year-old starting kindergarten in French on the computer in a week, plus a two and a half year old and a nine month old. Uh, so we have eight among us and, um, Smooth sailing for everybody. just, just, we're just cruising. <laughs> so this is a little vent, little vent session. Uh, we can welcome, you know, others in our similar shoes, uh, to join us uh, at least on one end of the conversation as we kind of get some of this, get some of this out. Uh, the, the highest lows and weirdos of parenting during a yeah. pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I think we could do that. Right. I think, you know, let's, let's talk about that. So like, I'm curious just about like what parenting in a pandemic has been like for you, like especially challenges and, and gifts or highs, lows and weirdos. Eric. Uh, so Carrie, why don't you, if you want to like anything for you that have been like highlights, lowlights, takeaways. Uh, so far. Yeah. I mean, on some level it's forced us all to slow down, right? Like I feel a lot less guilt about the things that I'm not doing with the kids because we can't do any of it. Right. So it's like, Oh, I haven't taken them to the special music class or the whatever, whatever. No, I mean, we did stuff with the kids, but like there's, I think there's a lot of pressure these days to really like actively parent. Like there's that, like you have to go to a class with your like infant and you have to go to a, like another class with your other kids, you know, like, and all the schedules are different and everyone's kind of going um, on high speed all the time. 
and in some ways the pandemic uh, has forced us to step back and ask like, what do we really need? What do the kids really need to be happy? Um, and we are in a privileged position where my husband and I are able to do our jobs remotely. Um, and so that is, uh, been, you know, it's a privilege to be able to continue to do that. I mean, there's also challenges with that, right? So it's, we do a lot of tag teaming. The days start earlier, they end later. You know, my husband will get up and work from, you know, six to 10 and then we swap and then I do several hours and then he does several hours and we do several hours and then it just kind of stretches. Um, but it's possible, right? It's possible. It's, and, and that's, that's, we feel lucky about that. Um, and it's, and it's nice just to have the, the time with the kids. Like I always, like I would previously commute from New Jersey to New York for two days a week and then work remotely three days a week. So on some level there hasn't been a huge adjustment because I was already doing some remote work anyway, which made it easier. Um, on another level, I had like a little bit of like contact with the outside world and conversations with grownups that were uninterrupted. And, and so I do, um, I do miss that. But uh, I mean, in the overall scheme of things, we've been, we've been doing okay. It's sort of like a question, I think now of like, all right, it, at first it was almost like, it was like fear. Then it was of like, ah, what's happening? What's happening? And then it was sort of like, we got into a routine. And now it's sort of like, okay, is this a routine forever? Like what, when does this, like what happens now? Like how do we adjust for the, for the long term without really knowing what the long term holds? And that's been, that's been a big challenge. It's like parenting is always filled with a crazy amount of uncertainty and it's just extra uncertainty um, right now. Yeah. I think about the tag teaming uh, you mentioned, which uh, rings true for me too. And like, almost like the, uh, the infant, this our little one becomes like the baton in a relay race, you know, who is like handed back and forth, right? Okay, here you go, take, and then I'm going down and I'm like, wait, wait, before you go to work in the basement, can you tell me when did he last eat? When did he wake uh -huh. up? Like just do a quick rundown of that. Like how are the other two doing? Yeah. So no, I, I hear that. Erica, anything uh, resonate for you there? I, I mean, it's a relay race that no one ever wins, right? Um, no, I, I think that what you're saying, it right, brings absolutely true. Like you're more mindful of of your partner's state of mind and, and where, where they are and how they, the needs that they need to, to be met. And I think that's kind of what I'm trying to be mindful of um, in parenting as like a, as a team sport. Um, I also find that I'm much more aware of my own um, slow depletion of energy and, and, you know, Oh, I'm not patient today. I need to step back as best I can. Um, but it, it is, it, I mean, as you said, Carrie, it's a, it's a real privilege to be with, you know, your kids and to be able to observe them as they're, you know, growing and, and, and spend so many, moments with them. I mean, I'm, you know, will my daughter ever learn to swim? I don't know, because, you know, we didn't have some lessons this, this summer. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but I think that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. It's weird, but it's, it's cool. And it's um, an opportunity, I think, to, to, to get to know yourself as a parent better, because it's like a pressure cooker. There's never a time to, to turn it off. You, you're constantly saying, okay, how am I reacting in this moment? What, what am I feeling in this in this moment, which I think is very Ignatian in, in the kind of the spiritual sense of things. Yeah, you got to sit with so much tension because I think all of these things can be true at once and are true, which is that like, oh, it's nice to slow down and maybe to have that time, like time that you didn't have before. It's also super stressful and like missing some of those releases and like wondering about like our kids falling behind. Like all of those things are true while also acknowledging, again, our, our great privilege for all three of us being able to you know keep going within this. So like holding all of that at once itself is tiring right to kind of sit in that but i guess it's it's also kind of part of just modern life in general it's like kind of have to sit with a lot of things that don't necessarily line up or values that aren't always perfectly aligned but that like you just kind of have to acknowledge that and kind of be comfortable within that i'm curious so now we're like pushing six months of this and i'm wondering if things have like changed for you like have you gone through different phases or stages do you have different values now than you did like what are some of the things you've learned carrie maybe you could start us off there I mean, I keep asking myself, you know, like, what do the kids really need, right? Like, do they need the, that specific, you know, class or lesson, or can we provide like this, um, 
the skills or the enrichment or whatever for them in another capacity. And one of the reasons, so I gave birth up in Massachusetts where my parents are um, so that we could have a little bit of extra help. We quarantined down in Jersey, came up here and we have our own like kind of pod that no, none of us like go anywhere, right? Like it's my parents who are older and we don't want to get them sick. My sister has three kids and um, then our family with three. But we said, what they could use is some socialization, some kids to play with, and my kids, my sister's kids as well. So they're together, you know, in a kind of very low risk pod because we don't go anywhere but our house, their house, and my mother's house. Um, and so we're like, okay, they have, you know, that's we've adapted by like, okay, here's some some other kids to play with, and then it also helps in terms of our own like adult socialization. Like now we have people to talk to or people to other people to hand off to if we need to. Um, and that has been like a big, a big shift and uh, a helpful one. And again, I, not everyone's able to do this um, because you know, my, my sister uh, is at home with the kids and her husband is able to work remotely too. So like, again, we're all sort of in the same situation. Um, but that, but I, I, I think a lot about, and this is hard because I don't know what to do. So like thinking a lot about does not get me a medal. Like I think a lot about parents um, who can't do that, right? Like anyone, like essential workers, like anyone delivering groceries, anyone working in a hospital, anyone working in law enforcement, whatever, you know, all these jobs where you can't do that. And I, you know, I read articles about parents who like, they sent their kids, um, that article that I think was in the times they sent their kids to Singapore when they thought this was just starting out. And then they didn't see him for 104 days because like they couldn't come back, you know, like it was too dangerous. And like, there's a lot of parents that no matter how long my day is in our house and how many times, like, you know, I have to do a puzzle with someone or like the, everyone's screaming or whatever it is. Like it's, you know, I, it, we're, I'm lucky to be able to, to, to navigate that. Um, and I don't, I, you know, I just, I think a lot about the parents who can't and I pray for them, but I don't, it's also, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't like, I don't know how to best support, um, people in that situation either. So it, then, you know, the guilt that I felt about other things before it gets transferred to this. So I'm never not feeling some amount of guilt. Don't worry. As long as I yeah. go somewhere, right? that's yeah. the most yeah. the most important thing. A it's a Catholic. It's a Catholic value. <laughs> Just speaking of values, I think um, you know. It's about like privilege, and you know, I, I think uh, you know. I've been on calls where like you know, all my kids start screaming at the same time, and everyone's like, "Oh, like Eric, man, like tough, tough day for you." Um, and then they and then they will will share a, a struggle that they're having, but it's not as bad as your struggle, Eric. Your struggle is is worse. And I think one of the things that I think we all need to sit with is that like two things can be true at once, right? It can be hard to be parenting. Um, and, and in all the different ways you described, Carrie, it can be really hard to be a single person at home, you know, during the pandemic. It can be really hard to be, um, every situation is really hard right now. And so I think the more that, um, that folks feel that they need to compare their situation to another situation and then like cut, cut themselves down because, oh, it's not as bad. You know, I, I think we have to, um, you, you know, sit with, with, yeah, every, every, every situation has its own, um, you know, a, a lot of challenges um, that, that, you know, are, are worth digging into and exploring and talking through and trying to figure out how to, you know, make, make better. Now, do I have a solution to your uh, quandary, Carrie? No, because I, I agree. Like, you know, I, you know, am I, am I a good person for ordering uh, X food from this place because I'm supporting this, this, you know, uh, you know, Uber Eats or whatever, or am I a bad person? Cause I'm making that Uber Eats person then leave their family and, and drive to me. You know, it's, um, I, I don't know. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, just a web of, a web of, 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 of terribleness sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Like nobody, nobody has it easy right now. Um, like you're saying it's, it would be really hard to be at home by yourself in this situation for a long time, especially, you know, if you are at high risk or people that you potentially could visit where there's so many, so many different challenges that this is, this is raised. It's also raised, um, I think a lot of issues that we have in the country with childcare in general for, for people like, cause part of the reason it's so hard for a lot of people as the fall approaches is like, what are we going to do with school? And like, is it going to be a hybrid model? Is it going to be uh, all online? Is it going to be all back to school? And everyone's got different things. And like, 
what are like, you know, what do people do for childcare when it's a hybrid, you know, like, Oh, I need a babysitter two days a week. And that's it from like nine to 12 or something. You know, it's such a hard, it's a hard situation to find um, or to employ someone for. So like, I feel like we're getting into like a different phase of, of difficulty for a lot of people too. So it's, it's going to be hard. Mike, what, your daughter is going to do all online. Yeah, so our district here near DC is doing all online at least until the end of January. She's starting okay. kinder, kindergarten in French immersion, which is 100% in French. She speaks zero words of French. We speak zero words of French. In theory, <laughs> so we thought about like, should we pull her out of that because that's just going to be insane? But yeah. it's, a, it's a nine year, it's a lottery thing. She got into this. We think it would be good for her. It's nine years, you know, in theory, if we stay around uh, in this area for that long, uh, that she could have this kind of French immersion and they bring English in kind of in the middle there. Uh, so still like, yeah, this, you know, could be, could be good. And like, but right now, how is they going to learn French on the computer? Like that's what? You're Are you worried about her like? paying attention to like oh yeah like, she's not gonna yeah she i mean yeah for sure uh so that's it's not gonna happen so i think that in some ways there's like oh we're ready for this to start but like it's not gonna also not gonna happen and just trying for me to always keep like and my wife like this is a nine-year thing or this is a longer term thing can we like get through this part it's actually helpful when i go to we go to playgrounds like we are doing some like because again the five-year-old needs to like hang yeah. out with kids like she's just so hungry for that so we've been doing outdoor type things including with some other kindergarten families in our neighborhood and just like to hear everyone being like yeah this is impossible i have no idea how we're going to do this there is like a sense of solidarity in that reminder that no one's figured that out like our teachers haven't figured it out the district hasn't like yeah uh, that's, and that's gonna, that's just what it is, right? Like that's just the reality that we're in. And I think so much of that, and this has been kind of a theme of the pandemic and, you know, our family too, and you both alluded to it, like things we thought were necessary, being at the office X amount of times, being on work calls without a crying baby there, like going to these certain lessons, going to the library, all that stuff we thought was required, going to restaurants, whatever is not possible anymore. So then you do have to see that what does really matter. So we, one of our like mantras in our family has been like, why the hell not? Like, why not just like go play music outside, you know, someone's house or like, why not give a kid an extra cookie when they ask? Like we're at a point now where like a lot of the values that aren't core and essential, like we can, were they really all that important to begin with? And uh, so, I, yeah, I don't know. That has been something we've tried to do, but again, I we're wrestling you know, with all of that. And I think, again, as you're saying, no one's having an easy time. And so to like acknowledge in the midst of our own privilege that it's still for us, not easy. Like that's okay too, I think. Yeah. I um, hope, I hope that like employers and organizations will be, will see the big picture of this. Like that see, like it's really hard for everybody. So, and cut people some slack. Cause the last thing people need is sort of, I mean, I understand that there's a million reasons people are losing jobs these days, but for a parent, for an employer to be impatient with people's situations and that to be a reason would be really, you know, heartbreaking. Yeah, no, certainly. Yeah. I am. I, go ahead, Eric. Oh, I, I wonder too, just uh, Mike, as you're talking about like, you know, it seems, it does seem crazy to like immerse your child in French online in this moment. And then maybe, but, but maybe it's not crazy. Maybe this is, this is life as we live it now moving on. Like this, this is the first chapter of her French immersion in some ways. Like this is the way, um, that we all need to learn how to, you know, she's on the cutting edge in the sense that this, this is just how life is going to be in some ways. Now, I think, I think it's, we want to, and, and hopefully God willing, this is just a hiccup in the history of, of time, but it's going to have long reaching impacts. Hopefully, you know, you know, for the, for good when ultimately, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, build people up and, and rebuild our, our society in a, in a good way and not go back to the way things were in so many bad ways. But I also think that like this, this is part of the larger story now. And, and, and um, you know, maybe we all have to figure out how to learn French, um, you know, immersively online. Maybe that's just, you know, kind of the direction you know, as things that seem impossible. And I think this, you alluded to this before, right? Things that seemed impossible, everyone working remotely, like that's crazy is now like, we have to figure it out. And, um, and, and we, we can't like look back longingly on the way things were and pretend um, that that's the, you know, we just want to like get in the time machine and, and, and jump back, you know, a year and a half. Um, you know, so I, I don't know, that's kind of what I'm thinking about, like, you know, what, what needs to be, um, embraced in a, in a way and, and versus like, oh no, like we just need to kind of like shudder, grin and bear it until it's, until it's past. 
I do want to ask both of you in terms of embracing what is uh, having to welcome new life into your families in the middle of the pandemic. Obviously, like as you got ready to welcome a child, like say nine months down the road, you weren't expecting uh, that child to be arriving in the middle of a, a pandemic and then having to face that. And I imagine some of our listeners would, would be expecting kids uh, in the middle of this and having to deal with that uncertainty. So I'm just curious to hear from both of you and what that experience was like uh, as you prepared and then welcomed uh, your new babies. Yeah, it was obviously it was different, right? It was a little different than um, the last two in terms of just, you know, the the feeling in the hospital overall. Um, I all my kids were hospital births, um, and like just this sort of sense. There was a sense of like everyone was very welcoming, but there was a sense of like caution, right? Like everyone's in mask, everyone's uh, I'm wearing a mask. Everything is just like. Um, a little bit more like orchestrated a little bit more um like it's already a kind of like potentially high anxiety situation and it's like okay there's this one other thing that we got to watch out for you know like a pandemic virus so we just did it but on the other hand it was also very like straightforward so it was this weird mix of like a little bit emotionally different and a little bit there's a, like more ppe but like went in you know went to the hospital, went to triage, went to gay birth, went to the recovery room. And like, that was it. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty straightforward, thankfully, um, in terms of the actual birth and all of that. And everyone was, um, you know, really kind and welcoming about it. Uh, they, everyone had masks on. They did, they did take my mask off of me when I was in labor, which was very nice of them. They were like, we all have masks on you have enough going on. <laughs> um, you can, you don't have to wear this because you have to like try to breathe through the pain and it's going to be really hard with that on, um, which I appreciated. But, um, and like, I think as I was pregnant and as I was like, this was coming up to this, I just kept thinking in my head, like this sort of like, almost like a mantra of like everything has changed. And it's sort of this sense of, like the pandemic has sort of like changed everything. And it was very, um, it kind of resonated with the sense of um, what I feel like when I'm pregnant, which is everything has changed, but I don't know how yet, right? Like there's a life that I'm going to bring into this world, God willing. And I don't know who she is yet, but I do know that she's already changed my life before I've even you know, met her outside of the womb. And at the same time, felt like the world was very, um, was in a very similar situation. Like everything has changed. We don't know really what the result is yet. Um, but we know it's going to be different and we just have to kind of go with it. Um, and so there was this sort of parallel emotional track that I was on that actually was very centering and kind of like calming for me in a way. Cause it was like, there is literally no way, that I can know what is going to happen. Like no matter how much I worry about it, no matter how much I think about it or pray about it, like there is a degree of uncertainty related to pregnancy and a degree of uncertainty related to the pandemic simultaneously that I just have to live with. And recognizing that and and just living with it um, instead of trying to change it or fix it or um, figure out you know, some kind of answer uh, was, was grounding for me and, and helpful in the process. Like, you know, this is just acknowledging like, this is going to be different. Like, I'm not going to try to mimic the feeling of previous births or the feeling of the world before this. Like, we're gonna change, we're gonna go with it. And I'm gonna have to hopefully, uh, you know, ask for the grace to deal with it as best as I can. Yeah, I um, I mean, my wife has always said, I, I hope I want to give birth during a global pandemic. So I think we really hit it right on the <laughs> no, no, of course not, right? But um, I, you know, I, one of the other you know, things. So, so uh, my daughter was born early June, and so right, what was on our minds was, um, a the, the pandemic had had, as you said, Carrie, changed everything for how we were living and existing. Um, but but that was right right when you know George Floyd is killed and and right when all of the the protests and 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 the movement is really getting all the steam behind it and we're seeing all of this happening in our streets and across the across the uh, the country and and I know what my wife and I were saying were 
we feel like we, how can we be part of this? How can we be contributing to this important moment, you know, and, and say Black Lives Matter in a way that, that is that is meaningful, um, rather than cowering in our homes, which is what we felt like. And, and so the, 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 the problem for us, the challenge that we had in those final days um, was, was, you know, we, we, we felt like we were cowering in our homes and not, and not a part of this, this important moment, but, or we, we also felt like we had to protect that, the life that we were, we were, you know, tasked with bringing into the world. And, yeah, and, and I felt a lot of that as well. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. I mean, and, and so that was, you know, I, I remember, um, vividly, I, you know, I had a little trailer for my bike and I was, I was biking, you know, doing a lot of biking and my, my eldest could fit in the little trailer thing. And so we would go on these little bike rides. And um, I remember at one point biking through a protest as it was forming kind of to the north of our house. And I was, you know, was excited. Like, this is awesome. And, 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 you know, I would love to kind of get out and, and show my daughter this and, and talk through what we're experiencing, but then fearful that, oh my gosh, like, what if I, you know, catch the virus or what if I'm not, you know, safe enough as I'm biking, you know, you know, blasting through this, this crowd and then feeling irritated that like, get out of the way, I got to get home. Um, you know, and so it was this, this weird combination of, of, of obligation. How, you know, how do I, how do I respond to the needs of this moment, the multiple needs of this moment? Um, and then all the more so, I just, I just vividly remember, you know, pacing the the hospital room, much to the chagrin of my wife, you know, where we got this newborn, you know, it's just us in the room, no one can visit us. And just checking Twitter and checking the news and um, and and saying what's you know what's happening you know what are people doing and and feeling so um, disconnected from it all um, and uh, and it was just it was, it, it's still it's still something that that we grapple with you know what are our obligations in this moment how do we respond um, how you know do do we let you know what, what's the greater good and and um, so th- that was that was one of the ways that we felt different and all, all the things you described too, Carrie. I mean, like, you, you know, it's, it was whenever I went to my car to get like, you know, uh, you know, charger, or, you know, a water bottle or whatever, passing all the signs that said, you know, heroes work here. You know, we, we love you to, you know, re- was a constant reminder. Oh, that's right. There's a global pandemic that, you know, all the folks that are, are that are serving us that are, that are helping us to bring this life into the world are doing so at great risk to themselves. Um, you know, so it was just a, a you know, a, a, a fascinating, troubling, conflicting moment um that I, st- I still don't really know what to make sense of um other than that now i have a, a crying 10 week old you kind of uh, lead us into a, uh maybe a conversation about being parents too in the middle of social unrest and protesting big debates about racism and the future of our country and what we're supposed to do and how do we bring that to our kids like how do we get them involved in that uh i know all three of us in some ways have brought kids to protests or some kind of demonstrations. I know, Carrie, you wrote about that for America and can uh, can ask you to to maybe share a little bit about that experience. But as you're seeing this going on, uh, in addition to the pandemic, how how do you try to introduce some of those things to our, like, your kids? Again, our kids are all young, right? So like, how do, how do you do that? Carrie, like, how have you approached that, Carrie? Yeah, it's it's really hard because you want to help your kids to understand the world and the inequalities of it and their own uh, ways in which they have, um, you know, things that other kids might not have, right? You understand that the world is not like a fully equal and fair place all the time. And it's our job to do something about that if we can. Um, But you don't want to completely freak them out or uh, make them terrified of, I don't know, whatever topic you're talking about to the point where they won't discuss it at all. Uh, but I, you know, I, I took my son who was three at the time to the Catholic day of action in DC, which was a whole number of Catholic groups protesting the treatment of, uh, immigrant families at the border and the deaths of, of children, um, in detention. And, you know, I talked to him about, basically just the concept of we need to love our neighbor, right? Like we need to, to welcome families. We need to help make sure that families stay together because it's important for families to be together. It's important to be, um, make sure we pay attention to, um, it, it's important to, um, try to help families that don't have what we have. So, um, and that some kids might come here with their parents because where they live is really hard and they don't, they don't, um, they can't find jobs or food or safety, you know, whatever that might be. And he kind of, he, he got that, I think. And, um, but I, d- you know, at the protest, they had pictures of the children who had died 
and there were some of the protesters were wearing them around their necks and walking and um I did not go into like these are children who have died at the border with him you know like at that moment but I we talked about how those were kids who were looking to come to this country for um with their families for safety and because they they didn't have what they needed in their country um and he was very he was actually the the very interesting thing about the protest was there's a lot of imagery with the protest right there's there's signs there's pictures there's people there's franciscans talking to cops like he was like sort of like oh what's going like he he had this thing in his head of like oh what is that police officer doing what is that priest doing why are they talking you know like and it kind of introduced um a lot of different groups of people to him in different contexts that he hadn't seen before and he re he remembers a lot of stuff right like I'm always surprised at what three-year-olds remember and like spit back at you, uh, which sometimes I'm like, I have to watch what I say more often. And, so, <laughs> and sometimes it's a good thing, right? Like, and like, you know, on the way home, um, he has like little Paw Patrol figures in the train and he was like laying them down. He's like, these are the people laying down at the protest. Cause at the, they were all laying down in one of the government buildings uh, in, in protest before people got arrested. And um, he's like, these are the people wearing the pictures of the kids who don't have anything, right? Like, and he was, he knew, um, you know, what, what we were talking about, what they needed. And he kind of had this little bit of empathy for him. Now, I don't know what he's going to remember in the long term. I don't know how this will, um, he'll, how he'll be able to talk about it. But I do know, I hope he remembers when he gets older that, like, I cared enough about an issue to take a three-year-old on an Amtrak train to DC for the day to like wander around in the heat and, uh, and like uh, talk about these issues with him. That that something was that important that we would we'd do it together. And I mean, to be honest, the train was like the highlight of his day. He got to he got to go on a, an Amtrak train for several hours and was like thrilled beyond belief. So I, like this was not torture for him, right? He he enjoyed it. He got to eat snacks. He got to go outside. He got to go on a train. And then we talked about issues. Like if this had been, you know, a slog for him, I would not have, have put him through that, right? Like I, it, it was a very, a, a good, it was a good starter protest for him, I guess, because it was like, all right, I know the, the crowd is going to be mostly older priests and nuns. They're not going to like intentionally incite violence, right? I know like all of these sponsoring groups are here from like Catholic peace groups or whatever, you know, people, um, a lot of whom I knew, you know, so it was a very like low key, uh, situation for me to bring a three-year-old to. Um, and so I, I felt kind of comfortable introducing him in that capacity. Um, but as, as you said, Eric, like as, um, more and more issues have kind of come to the fore of the national conversation, um, it's, gets more and more complicated. It's hard to, to, to put a lot of these things into terms that three-year-olds can understand. It's hard to do so. Um, and like when you're nine months pregnant to go out into the street where people are getting tear gassed, seems like a, not a great idea because I have to protect the child uh, in my womb. Right. Too. So right. like, but a lot of people, you don't want to protect their children who are just playing in the street and then getting shot by police. So like, absolutely, it's, it's, you, you're there. Yeah. I don't know. I, you, I'm all, I'm constantly like thinking about the risks and the challenges and then the risks and the challenges that other parents have as well, because like I can shield my kid from a lot of this. I can like, and I, a lot of parents can't, right. It just happens. Like it's not a story, like for the kids, who are dying at the border, this is not a story that they're learning about. It's not a educational opportunity. It's their lives and their families. Yeah. And like, that's the reality. And the parents don't get to say like, oh, well, we'll teach you about this issue when you get older. They're living the issue now. And so that makes a huge, uh, and like makes a big difference, obviously, in the way in which people are able to approach an issue like this. Um, it, it's all public health, right? There's, there's public health concerns on all sides and, and yeah, some people get to go, go for the day and some people have to, you have to live it. Yeah. Just 
I mean, Carrie, to kind of your, what you're saying, like, how do we, how do we grapple with it? Like, you know, we've bought all the books for our, you know, two and a half year old, you know, we have all the, all the justice books, you know, from, from, you know, anti-racist baby to Sesame street to all these things. And, and it's like, you know, is, is, is reading enough? Um, I mean, certainly it's important, right. But is it like enough to say, okay, well, at the end of the day, before bed, like we taught, we, we read through these issues, you looked at the pictures and, now justice has prevailed. Like, you know, it's, I, I don't know. And, you know, even, even now, like, you know, before we pray before meals, you know, like we, we try to mention some issues and, you know, she says, you know, we, we, you know, we pray for the sick, we pray for the hungry and we pray for justice and she goes justice. And, and we think it's cute, but of course, you know, that doesn't, doesn't actually impact justice anywhere. Um, aside from a chuckle at our, at our dinner table. So I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. And again, like, like, like you said earlier, right. Does, does, does thinking hard about these issues get us a medal? Like, no, of course not. So what's the, um, so what do we do? Like, what's the next, what's this next step? And so to give us the answer, Mike, how do you handle this? Yeah. Well, no, I think like, so what do you do with young kids and like, what is your responsibility to them? And is like all the different things you try to integrate into like how to form them. And we can get into like some of the spiritual stuff we've been trying to do too. I think that these go together, but like, what are the stuff you're, you're doing? Like, what are you filling them up with? Like, what are you, what experiences are you exposing them to? What conversations are you having? What are you praying about? These are all things that like, hopefully go into forming like a holistic person who is a disciple and cares about God's children who are hurting and wants to do something about it. Uh, right. Cause like, the point is not, sorry, the point is not to fill them with your political ideology, right? The point is to make them thoughtful, caring human beings who see Christ and other people. And if you do that, ideally they'll be able to respond to these situations when they come to them. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's, again, that's like those choices over and over again. Like, I think that's a great, I mean, yeah, okay, like a one prayer for justice, like doesn't obviously achieve justice, but we do believe in our tradition that praying for justice is like a big part of our call. And to bring that to our kids and to form them in that, I think is like about as important as the thing you can do as a parent. Uh, and so like to try to think of that, like all of these experiences that we hope to invite them into, like shape them as a person. I think about my own growing up and the experiences my parents and my parish exposed me to led me here. So like you see how that, that happens. And it's, but again, it's not just like that one shot thing it's over and over again and discerning, okay, I'm not going to go out at this time, but we're not going to do this thing, but we will do this other thing now. Well, which it's always asking those questions. What is the most appropriate way to respond? And yeah, we, I took our little, she was four now five-year-old to, uh, our like neighborhood kind of families demonstration um, around Black Lives Matter. And we talked a little bit about it and kind of unfairness and people were chanting, no justice, no peace. And she knows what the word peace is, but wanted to know, like, why are we saying no to those things? Mm. So we we talked about, oh, well, if we if people aren't treated right, then we'll never be a truly peaceful community. And basic things, again, for me, is those little introductions, those touchstones that, yeah, who knows if she'll actually remember that time, as you were saying, Carrie, but just like the stories of that, the, the way that hopefully all of these things shape uh, you know, a child or children growing up. So again, in that vein, for me, I, I am curious about like, if you know, we haven't had masses, we haven't been to mass as a family besides a backyard mass with a, a visiting Jesuit, which is one perk of working for the Jesuits. But uh, we haven't been regularly going to mass. We're thinking about that now since it's available at, at our parish. But what are ways that you've tried to keep some spiritual practices in your family going uh, when at a time when we couldn't gather with our faith community? So Carrie, maybe you could start us off there. Yeah, we actually had like kind of a lovely Holy Week, um, which was sort of unexpected given it's usually like my favorite liturgical time of the year. And I was really disappointed when all masses and services were canceled. Um, and I was sort of like determined that we would do something as a family uh, beyond just like watching a TV mass. Um, and so we had like, you know, like a little family washing of the feet ceremony, which like my kids love because it's tactile and you kind of take part in it. And they sing like this very like um, when it was Easter again, we got to sing Alleluia again that we they love the Alleluia at our parish. It's this very like vibrant, festive Alleluia, um, which I won't sing for you now because we don't have a singing voice. But when people who can sing sing it, it sounds lovely and they <laughs> and they love it and they like dance to it at mass. It's like one of their favorite things. So we like kind of made a big deal bringing back the Alleluia. And um, we've been trying to pray, you know, we pray for for people with like the, vi they just call it the virus, like people with the virus that the, you know, the virus will, 
will end. We pray, we pray about that and we talk about it. Um, we pray, you know, for people who are not treated fairly in our society, you know, kind of, we try, we try to bring in some of the issues we're talking about in our, in our prayers as well. Um, and try like we try to just do um a little bit yeah just like make ourselves it's forced us to be a little bit more active at home rather than sort of be like well they're gonna absorb what they need to absorb at mass on sunday and they're gonna love the you know the stained glass windows and they're gonna see the priest and then that's the end the thing i so i think you know it's hard we can get the imagery in the other ways and we can get the prayers and the words and those are all important the thing that i um, I'm sort of heartbroken about is the community. Like we like parish life cannot be recreated. Um, no matter how hard, even virtually, even on zoom, like it's not the same. And that I think is one of the things that really sticks with kids. Like, you know, you're at the parish, you see people who are friendly, you have like good, just emotions around being there, which I think helps you absorb the actual sort of lessons and, um, the, the ideas that, that are there. Um, and I, I worry about the loss of that. Sometimes I worry, like, will my kids sort of have the same warmth uh, that I feel toward like having grown up in the church because they are growing up in the church still, but not in an actual church setting and not with like the people who you say hello to each week and the, uh, you know, like, this kid that just sat, we sat behind this other family almost every week and my oldest son and their son were like the same age and they shared trucks across the pew and they kind of like occasionally ran circles around the baptismal font, you know, like, but like there was this sense of like, oh, look, we're going someplace where we sh share, you know, ideas and values with these people. But also it's like, you know, there's fun people there. Like it's nice. Um, and that's harder to recreate. And I worry about that. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I, we have good friends that we, uh, you know, we always go to the same mass with and, you know, it, you know, you, they would, they would struggle, you know, all of our kids would suffer through mass, but then they would get treats, you know, in the base, the church basement, everyone journeys down to have their donuts and their coffee and their, um, your cakes. And, and then they just like do laps as you, as you said, and, and I, that was such a, that was like community, right? That was, that was it. That was the thing that, you know, um, in so many ways you're, you're in the parish for, um, but, uh, you know, so that, that's, that's something that we sorely miss. But the ability to explain mass to my daughter as it's happening in front of us and to talk her through and to give her, she has the space of so she wants to step away and and go play with Moana or whatever. You know, she can do that. Like we don't like, you know, like tie her down to the, to the couch to, to focus, but she knows the name of the priest now. She knows the names of the deacons, you know, um, she gets very uh, concerned when the bells don't ring to signify uh, the consecration, right? You know, because um, she, she's, she's now we're able to explain these parts um, which I think has has been a real value add for us. I've I found that um, the pandemic time that we've been able to really, uh, I've been able to really teach her, uh, you know, mass and and um, you know she had like Saint Ignatius the Saints, so she she knows these two things, and she's very well versed in Star Wars now. She she knows all the Star Wars characters, so these two very important parts of life, she, you know, we've been able to sit with with her. Um, and I know Mike is a Star Wars fan too, so you're probably sharing a lot of Star Wars with your kids. Oh man, don't get me started. <laughs> Eric, Eric, and I argue about Star Wars a lot. I don't, I, in that, I don't, I don't like Star Wars, and, and Eric is obsessed with it. So um, it's, a, <laughs> it's like maybe the only real source of tension in our in our working relationship. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I have it's like been really hard for us, and I think that like part of it is mass with three kids, which we only did a few times before we were, you know not able to go to mass anymore even with two young kids it's not prayerful for us they don't really enjoy it unless the music is good at a certain mass like it is hard and so like it was almost so easy to just be like oh well we can't do that anymore and like in the back of my mind is always like actually like this is actually this is great like we don't have to like <laughs> get them dressed and wrestle them out and feel like we lose all of sunday morning like you can see like the sacrifice that is bringing your you know kids to to mass uh, and so like while i've missed missed it like i really haven't missed it that much like less than i thought i would have which mm. i have to sit with my own like okay mm. like that's true uh but I still think it's really kind of important and central. And that's a big fear for me, I guess, would be for 
you know, and we're like, we both work, my wife and I work for the church. Like we have degrees in theology. Like this is very important to us. And it's been like pretty easy to just like let it go in some ways. I'm most worried about other families too. Like people who are trying, you know, who are like trying to get out there. And then now they haven't had that community yeah. connection, which I think Carrie, I really value your point too, that like, it's you, you can't replace the community piece. And there's been, I think it's been good to hear to say like, no, the church is not this building. The church is us and we have to take responsibility. That is good. But I'm afraid sometimes in that you lose that like, no, no, like the community is what we are. And we have to be at that place together uh, and then are sent from there. But like to have that is is important. So figure hopefully like we'll be able to recover it knowing though that like that's going to be hard so we're, we're it's wrestling right now but like our five-year-old is really interested in god and asking questions tell me a story about jesus daddy like hmm. okay like too bad i don't know much about the bible of being a catholic uh <laughs> got to make sure like you could tell the accessible stories and there are some good good ones for sure and she's and again she's like soaking all that up and so you see this opportunity like we don't want to let that go by like her real curiosity about all this so yeah i think we will go start going back to mass at least try it soon so we'll see how, how that goes but yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been hard for us in, the, in this time to make sure it's kind of staying center uh, for our family. I do. We're I think winding toward the end, but I am curious to ask you both before we head out. Like we talked about, like all of the the demands on us and ways we're trying to kind of stay connected with our families. How have you tried? I guess both. I'm interested in like how have you found time by yourself or with your spouse only, like to kind of recharge or like what have been ways to if. If you have had that time, uh, what are ways you tried to stay grounded in your own life and uh, with with your spouse uh, in that relationship? So, Carrie, maybe you could start us off again there. Yeah, I mean, that has been a big challenge because right now, you know, we're adjusting to the three kids versus the two kids. And I'm pretty much on the youngest constantly because she's breastfeeding. And like, you know, the time I get to myself is sort of like myself with her feeding and I'm like watching something on Netflix. Like that's probably the closest I get to being alone lately. Or <laughs> like just before she was born, driving to my OB appointments and listening to NPR. Like that was my like refresh moment of like, I'm in the car, nobody's with me. I'm just listening to grown up radio. Like very, <laughs> like that was, that was it. Um, we, you know, one of the things that has been helpful about being here at my parents and like being with my sister is that we have had like an extra set of hands. So like a couple extra sets. So, you know, like we have a little bit more wiggle room in terms of like just, just the configurations of kids. Like, okay, so someone takes all the older kids down to the basement to play with the Legos and then someone does this and someone does that. And you have a few minutes to just kind of like catch up. Um, Lately, like, uh, with my, yesterday the kids went to bed early and so my husband and I had a chance to just like, kind of like talk and not have someone yell while we're talking. Um, but I think it's, it's, we have to be conscious not to be like, okay, what's our next Instacart order? You know what I mean? Like, or what, like have all the conversations just not be like, okay, well, how many calls do you have tomorrow? How many calls do you have tomorrow? And are we going to your parents? What's going on with their sister? Like, and how many groceries do we have? Okay, I'm exhausted, go to bed. Like, it's it's very easy for like all the interactions to be completely like, uh, just like utilitarian, almost like, like, what are we, what do we gotta, what's like the next most important thing we have to check off our list. Um, but I think, I mean, I think we've, the, the the nice thing about it is that as we have those conversations, like we're working together really well as a team, right? So like we're we're like a good team. We just have to have a team that like talks about some other things besides groceries and diapers, and that's all we have to do is like introduce some other topics, which is fine and which we're happy to do. Um, it just is like not necessarily at the time like we would want to plan it for, right? We have to take advantage of the times when they arise, right? Like, and be deliberate about that, of recognizing those moments saying, oh, okay, everything's calm for a minute. How are you doing? Like, and thanking each other and be like, you're doing a lot right now. And I really appreciate it. Like, I know this is hard for you. And I know, you know, X, Y, and Z wasn't easy and thank you. So just like really being deliberate about saying, like recognizing, all the things that we're, each of us is sort of contributing to our family and the ways in which we appreciate um, the ways in which we feel supported by the other person. 
um, which, you know, I'm grateful to have, right? Like we do feel supported by each other and we do feel like um, we could do this together. And um, yeah, and it's, it's the sort of thing where we like, you know, we, we really are supportive of each other in our um, careers and in our family life and in our decisions and are able to talk about those things. And that helps like to just have that open um, communication during what is like a really stressful time. And that's not to say we don't like snap at each other occasionally or whatever, but it's, it's been nice to feel like, um, you know, I have a partner through all this. Um, and just, we just have to make sure we're conscious of like taking the time to like, just be that partner to each other and not just like a functional partner in like the cogs of what our family is doing right now. Yeah. I yeah. nodding nodding along with you uh, on a lot of that. Um, there is that you know the business transactional piece of it. It gets you a lot of stuff has to get done right, and so you yeah. have to you can't not do that. So it's like carving out some of that time, putting a certain yeah for us like we yeah we can't have a conversation around the two year old because she'll start shouting at my wife. Uh, stop talking to other people <laughs> or, or stop talking to people. Uh, so if she's not included, she's you know not not down for it at all. We found like if we can, if I can get, make sure I can take all three kids and let Jen run in the mornings. Mm -hmm. And then if I can get out in the evenings for a walk, our kids do go to bed pretty early, which is like a, a big value for us. Like if we can get them down before eight, then you know, we can watch something or just have a quiet time. Maybe that's sleeping. <laughs> maybe sometimes it is just sleeping, right? Like just to see, oh, we could actually maybe get eight hours in tonight if we get them all down early and just say like, no, we're not going to just while away the time on Netflix tonight. Let's, let's just go to bed. <laughs> uh, but no, some again, of it is like, we're like, oh, you get to sleep in today. Like I've got them all. Feel free right. to like sleep till eight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, eight. Yeah. <laughs> that gratitude piece is so, is so important, Kara. I'm like, I'm like, processing that i think that's such a good like saying it showing it expressing it um and i, I love like the, the, the teamwork like you got to be a team you got to be you got to be partners in 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 it you gotta you gotta get each other's backs i think that's so that's so key yeah well thanks for being part of my team today guys it's been great i'm always part here. of your team Mike. always part of our we're all part of the jesuit team together uh part of the lord's team uh, so no, I, I've really enjoyed this. I, again, it's, uh, to hear your perspectives and to, again, to feel connected with, uh, other folks and remember that, you know, we're not the only ones navigating this right now. We all are there again, has never been anything in the history of at least our lives and not the world that has united literally everyone on the planet in the same type of way. Um, so hopefully some solidarity grows out of that. I'm suspicious that it might not, but anyway, uh, I've enjoyed uh, this solidarity <laughs> talk. Good note, Dan, uh, on Mike. I know. <laughs> a nice, a nice Nothing good comes of anything. Nothing good will done. come of this. Nothing We're all going to die. No. See you later. No. Off. We'll edit this part out, right? This is <laughs> That's right. No. The Jesuit value, finding God in all things, even in, uh, you know, difficult things, difficult times that maybe aren't as optimistic. So hopefully uh, we'll keep going. I know. Yeah. You got to try at least, uh, but hopefully it's honest, right? We're real and raw and honest here on AMDG. So uh, thank you again, Carrie and Eric for hopping in and uh, yeah. Prayers for you both uh, and your families as you continue uh, going through this craziness. Thank you. And you as well. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Dara Sump, Megan Leach, Becky Sindelar, and me, Mike Jordan Lasky. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. Thank you.